Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am so glad that you are here. If you are here for the very first time, welcome. I am so glad that you have found me. Um, And if you have been here before with me, welcome back to our community. This is a place where I strive to help women and men that are experiencing struggles with infertility, loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy, and we also, I want to help you with the heavy grief that are associated with those. I create space here for stories to be shared and connections to happen. Your happiness is very important to me, and it is also important to me that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do me a couple things. I would love for you to first connect with me on social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. I am at Living After Grief and also at Women Connect and Support. We share different information and resources on both of those platforms, so connect on both. Again, Living After Grief, and the other one is Women Connect and Support, both Instagram and Facebook. And then next, I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on the podcast. You can do one of two things, um, different things to get in contact with me. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook, We'll definitely see it there. Or you can go to my website at livingaftergrief.com and click on the link to schedule a time to talk. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear feedback and suggestions that you may have for the podcast. And I would love to allow you to share your story. And if you have had a loss, I would love to hear about your baby. Hey, I would like to share with you really quick before we get into the episode for today that as a grief coach, I work with clients that are experiencing struggles with infertility, early or late miscarriages, stillbirths, or infant loss. After such profound loss, a woman desires to feel whole again for her family, friends, and most of all, for herself. To experience grief in a healthy way, One has to learn how to navigate through it. It takes time to learn how to live in the new normal. A coach like myself can help you in ways loved ones may not be able to. I am here to walk alongside you to find the hope, laughter, and joy in your life again without the blame and the guilt. I have a better understanding of grief and the necessary mixture of human emotions that come with it and push through to engage in life again so you can so I can help you navigate through those triggers that are keeping you locked inside physically and emotionally life can and will be good again so if you would like to set up a time with me i would love to talk to you just click the link on my website at www.livingaftergrief.com to schedule a time to talk over the phone. And I look forward to hearing from you soon.
Today's episode is a re-release of episode 53. This episode is one of the most listened to episodes from the past year. Allison in this episode talks about her and her husband's Chris's journey of infertility. She talks about being a woman, being childless, and being content. And I know you will receive great insight in listening to Allison's story. Hello, Allison. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited for you to be my guest today to share with the listeners your story, your journey so far. Um, and I know just from briefly talking to you before that you've had quite the journey uh, of infertility struggles. So, But first, before we get into that, can you share with the listeners who is Allison? How would you describe yourself? Uh, sure. I would describe myself as, first of all, I am a Christian. My mm-hmm. husband and I both are Christians. Um, we are very different. He's more calm and cool, collected, and I tend to be a little bit more, you know, um, high-strung. I get a little bit anxious about things, a little easier. Um, so I do also struggle with um, OCD more of obsessive thoughts so it does kind of go hand in hand with some control and everything like that which was it did kind of play into my infertility journey and kind of how I handled it um, Mm -hmm. with control because obviously that is something you can't really control (laughs) so yeah um but and now, you know, I am a yoga instructor, and that has really helped me in my journey as well with my control, with my OCD, with my infertility, just kind of how I'm able to navigate through everything now. Um, and, yes, a dog mom. I just have one dog. Her name's Penny Lane because uh, I'm a big Beatles fan, and um, so she's my baby, and uh, we just – we live a real simple life, Chris and I, and also we're big Dave Ramsey fans, so that actually plays a big part in our life as well and how mm-hmm. how we've come to a place of contentment as well. So um, all of that is yeah. kind of me in a nutshell. Okay. Okay. I'm sure there's a lot more about that in a nutshell. That sounds that sounds good. So I know, and just like, like I had indicated earlier, you've had quite the the struggle so far um, with infertility. Can you share with me and the listeners kind of when you and Chris married, what the plan was to have a family and kind of walk us through where you, what your journey so far? Sure. Um, so actually, Chris and I got married in 2012. So we've been married for nine years now. We're both 32. Um, so we were young uh, when we got married. And so we were not in any kind of hurry to start a family. Um, we 
did not even try or think of trying. I mean, even the discussion of trying was a big deal to us. Um, back then, it's kind of funny looking back, but um, we did finally decide that we were ready to start trying uh, I, mm-hmm. in 2016. So um, it was fall of 2016. I was, you know, I was using birth control at the time and I, you know, we had a talk. I was like, I think I'm ready for this to be my last, you know, um, thing of birth control. And we kind of agreed that, okay, like we would start trying after that. Let it just run out and not get more. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I knew that it could take a little time. Uh, I knew that, three months was, you know, everyone says at least give it at least three months because your body has to adjust from being on birth control. And so three months, you know, comes and goes and I'm like, okay, still nothing, you know. Um, But I wasn't really too concerned at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously it had only been a little bit of time, but um, we weren't telling anybody that we were trying. That was also kind of, part of the story because I wanted it to be a surprise. Um, you know, I wanted to be, have one of those big reveals that I'm sure we've all seen a million of. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> that, that many of us have, who go through infertility have probably uh, hidden off of their Facebooks <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like I did uh, after a while. So yeah, I, I wanted it to be a surprise and, everything. So I, you know, wasn't talking about it and, you know, more time went by and, you know, we are approaching a year and I'm like, okay, this is Mm. a little concerning. You know, I I don't understand. Um, And and I'm sure everyone that's been through it can relate to that feeling because you're like, okay, this is what I'm, you know, meant to do. Mm, Right happening you know so um a year goes by and you know we're still not um pregnant or whatever and so by this time you know we've been married for five years you know Mm -hmm. so people people start to talk you know (laughs) not not like I mean maybe behind my back I, I I don't know but like people start asking questions, you know, that when, you know, why aren't you having babies? Do you even want kids? Like, what's your plan? You know? And so. Yeah. And that's hard. How did that hit you? It Well, it was kind of hard at the time. It got harder. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. You know, it was hard at the time, but I wanted it, it to be a surprise. So I hadn't like told anybody that we were trying, but it, it it, so I kind of was like, okay, well, they don't realize we're trying. So it's not like, I know they're not trying to hurt my feelings, um, mm-hmm. but, but I don't want to ruin the surprise because I'm just like, you know, maybe it'll be next month, you know? So mm-hmm. um, it was so, so then at that point, did you, did you go back to the doctor or tell me how that was? And, you know, as far as a physician. So um, actually I didn't go right away. I, 
So that year, 2017, um, my husband lost his job unexpectedly. Mm. And we had been trying for just, you know, about a year. And I was in, it had been a stressful situation, you know. So, of course, I'm over here thinking, well, maybe that was why. Because we were under a lot of stress with that job. And that was why. So then we, of course, were under more stress because now we have a job. So I started, you know, we had to do some career shifts and everything, and that was a lot of stress. And then that's when our Dave Ramsey debt-free journey began as well, because I was like, we took a step back from our finances and needed to look at everything. And of course, as a lot of people know with infertility, that is not a cheap thing. So um, no, it is not. <laughs> right. So that's why it really like the Dave Ramsey stuff really played a part in in this. Um, and I'll explain a little bit later. Uh, but we we needed to take a step back and look at our finances and get our finances under control because we were in we were just borrowing for everything, you know. Um, and so we we didn't ever stop trying. Uh, we continued to try to start a family, mm-hmm. um, but we. We worked on getting our debt paid off in the meantime and just fixing our finances so that we would be in a better place. And maybe, and we were thinking maybe that was part of what the stress that we were under was causing the, you know, issue, Mm, Um, you know, and you're searching, you're searching for a reason why. (laughs) Uh, So that's what I was doing when I I don't think it had anything to do with it, but you just never know really. So I think Um, but we, you know, we did start get into a place where I was ready to start searching for some answers. And, um, so I worked at a dental office and I needed to have an HSG. Um, are you familiar? Why not? Explain that. An HSG is a, um, it's a test where they, they put a, I guess it's a, catheter or some kind of, I think it's a catheter, up into your uterus. Okay. I'm, I hope I'm saying this right because it's been a couple of years. And they spray a dye inside uh, to make sure that your tubes are not blocked. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's an HSG test and um, it's short for something much longer and harder to say, but um yeah, so I had to, but what happened was I had a lot of trouble getting that scheduled because I worked for a doctor's office. My hours just weren't working out, and it was just a really that was kind of a stressful situation because, you know, if you, everything with infertility or fertility is on a, is on a month-by-month schedule. So if you miss your window, you know, you have to wait an entire cycle before you can yeah. do so it was very stressful and wasn't working out with that job. Um, so I ended up leaving that job because of my fertility. I just didn't think that it was family friendly for what I was what I was going through and what I needed to be able to do. Um, so I did end up getting the HSG exam. I got a new job and my tubes were not locked, so that was not the issue. Um, which was good news, obviously. Yeah. That would have required, you know, more work, uh, I think a surgery, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So um, 
that was the first step. My tubes were not blocked. So then I um, went to uh, my doctor, and she suggested I try Clomid. Are you familiar with that one? I am. I okay. am. But go ahead and explain that to if you want to the listeners. So yeah, it's like so, a fertility drug. Yeah, it's a fertility medicine that has seemed to help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I guess it's just, I don't really even know anymore. But it messed mm-hmm. with my hormones tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a basket case on Clomid. I was crying all the time for no reason. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but they do call them the Clomid cra- crazies. I have I have heard that. So as soon as you said it, I that was my question going to be to you. How did you do with COVID? <laughs> because I mean, there are people that they get they they get very emotional. Yeah. Um, there's other people that I've had a guest on that I think, and I don't remember the numbers. So of course, no one quote me, but it, she gained like 40 pounds or something ridiculous amount of oh. weight from being on it so it yeah it really messes could mess with things but other people have no trouble but obviously you had a little trouble with it yes it was very actually disruptive uh for my day because I could just cry it at a drop of a hat like I Mm. it did not take anything at all so um I did several rounds of that but it just really didn't it didn't do anything unfortunately except for make me very emotional but it was Mm -hmm. a good first step um, but that was the doctor that, that, and I, it's the same doctor I still go to, just my, my normal gynecologist. And she, that was her suggestion to start, you know, and, um, then that's, you know, where I learned about IUIs, uh, was from her. Mm-hmm. And so this, that was all about one year into trying, we did the HSG and the plummet. Okay. And that did not do anything. I wasn't really sure where to go, and it was really hard for me to, I think, accept that I needed more help, um, if that sure. makes sense. No, that makes sense, because what you said earlier was, you know, why was your body feeling you as made to do this? We as women, you know, believe that, you know, we're put here to to have children, you know, and it, it'll work, right? It's just going to work. But it doesn't always just work. Right. Oh, yeah. It does not. And <laughs> learned that the hard way. Um, Dr. Gayal, and she um, was with a with SIRM in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Um, she, we did a lot of tests, a lot of blood work. I am not even afraid of needles anymore at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of blood work and... I had, um, I guess, low AMH levels. Mm-hmm. My quantity of eggs was kind of low, but my quality was good. And they said that quality was more important than quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was some good news. Um, we did, Chris went through, we got himself looked at, and um, everything looked good for him. So really what they came they boiled it down to was we were unexplained. Okay. So you're like, okay, that's, I don't know how to feel about that because now we don't have an answer. And that's like not easy for my brain to like deal with. I really Mm -hmm. like things to be wrapped up in a nice pretty bow and know what, like what 
to do and how to solve something. So, yeah, we were unexplained, and they they told us our chances of conceiving naturally were really, really low, really low. Um, And then she told us the chances with IUI would be about 6 to 8%, and chances with IVF were about 65%. Mm -hmm. But we could not afford IVF, especially at the time we were still trying to get out of debt. But... We were able to pay cash for IUIs, and um, my family really stepped up too. Uh, God love them. They, I had my my parents uh, wanted to give money. They gave us some money for IUIs. My grandparents gave money toward IUIs, so um, it was really helpful. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It, was, um, it was just out of the kindness of their heart. Um, yeah. So. Of course, I'm real hopeful going in to this, and I'm starting. I've also done. I started acupuncture around mm-hmm. the same time, so I'm just kind of doing everything. I'm. I I just like things to be. I am a more. I try to go a more natural route if I can. That's just who I am. I'm not against medicine. I'm very thankful for medicine, but I do do try to avoid you know taking medicine if I can. Sure, and that doesn't surprise me because you said you're um, a, a yoga instructor. So that's all holistic sort of goes all hand in hand, in in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, so in my yeah, in my yeah. um. So I've and I did you know consistent chiropractic care, um, mm-hmm. you know acupuncture, and now I was doing the IUIs, and I you know to be honest, I I only did two. Um, you can, they say, they don't recommend doing more than three because they just, they, the odds are really, really low. Um, mm-hmm. They basically, now it's not, there are exceptions, but they, they basically told me if you don't get pregnant after three, like you're probably, this isn't the treatment for you. Not that mm-hmm. that doesn't, not that it hasn't happened, but um, yeah. So we did our first IUI. I had to um, trigger uh, it's just a with IUI you just do the one trigger shot and forces you to ovulate. We've got all the timing down. You know, Chris provides his sample. They take the best of the best of his sample and they insert it. Um, basically, with the, you know, it sounds like a joke, but basically with like the turkey baster um, thing, and they really do. Um, turn the table kind of not upside down completely, but at a, at an angle to where your feet are above your head. Um, the table actually does that, which I thought was really funny. You know, unfortunately, the first IUI uh, was unsuccessful. And I say unsuccessful now because I used to say failed. And Chris has really, like, worked on me with saying failed. So <laughs> it was unsuccessful. So that was obviously really disappointing. And really, like, it's very hard. That that two-week wait is awful. It is truly, I would, I just, I feel for anybody going through the two-week wait. Um, and you just, you, your mind kind of plays tricks on you. Like, oh, am, I, I think I feel a little different. I feel different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you feel your period coming, but you try to tell yourself that, it could be symptoms of pregnancy. Um, so that it, it did not work. And um, 
we went through it a second time. We tried again, and it did not work. And so I actually have not done – this was all in 2019. I have not done an IUI since. That we, we – in June of 2019, I, I needed – I decided I was going to take a break from treatment because – mostly because of the – my mental place with it all. I wasn't doing yoga at the time. Um, it was just not a good mental place for me. I was feeling really, really down. Um, so I needed a break. Uh, so totally, totally understandable. I mean, really, totally understandable. You need to be in a good mental state, and so I do. Yeah, and you know, and I, and I don't, I don't like to play the comparison game, but I will say, I, I have, I can't even imagine what people who have done years of treatment mm. can feel, and I, I could hardly handle it. I was just man, I beat myself up and I was just, I was in such an unhealthy place. I mean, there was a night where I really lost it. I will admit I lost it. And I went inside my house and I started really like banging on the walls because I just didn't know how to like, deal with all of the frustration and the anger that had really built up inside of me. And I was really, I was hitting the walls as hard as I could. I mean, I had bruises all over my hands and wrists and stuff. I actually have pictures um, that I ended up taking like the next day because I just couldn't, you know, believe. Chris had to physically restrain me. He had to come over and basically bear hug me from, like, behind, wrap his arms around me so that I couldn't, like, continue, mm. you know. Mm. And it was really kind of him to just, like, yes. love me through that. Yes. Because yes. I was just <laughs> having sort of a mental breakdown. I just wasn't doing well with treatment. Um, and it was just, it was not working. And so I started to lose hope. And. And I was afraid to use my last IUI because I'm like, well, if it fails, you know, I I felt like I would be out of options because we we don't have the the coverage for infertility, so IVF is just it's very expensive and mm-hmm. and like and I you know explained before and this I shared this during National Infertility Awareness Week, but. I just don't think IVF is for me. First of all, I didn't even do well <laughs> mentally with during the IUI treatment, and IVF goes is is a lot more intrusive, and it's going you put yourself through a lot, like, yes, a lot. So I was just like worried that I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do well with that, and I so it's just not for me. But there are there are many reasons why it's not for me. And I can always explain that um, in a little bit. But we did decide to, I I just, at first it was just going to be a break from treatment, but then I just kept being scared to go back because it just, like, I, I was afraid of the failure of it not working. Sure. And I just kept being afraid, like, you know, knowing that I basically had one more shot, that was just a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, sure. So time kept kind of going on, and um, people would ask, oh, are you 
going to do treatment? Are you going to go back to treatment? And it just, we never did. And I finally, I got to a place where I, I just admitted to Chris that I didn't think I wanted to do treatment anymore, that I wanted to just try, continue to try naturally. We haven't given up, but um, just, just kind of not go that route. Sure. I was just such a bad place mentally, I'll say. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't done any treatment since, but we are still um, hopeful. Like, yeah. we're still working on it. But, yeah, there's now, but the journey continues, you know. Um, even though I'm not doing treatment, the journey is, it continues for sure. Sure, sure. Well, and and last year was a difficult year, you know. Um, so when you said you kind of stopped treatment in 2019, mm-hmm. so I, you couldn't even have went back to try to have treatment last year because it just wasn't happening, you know, in 2020, they weren't doing a lot of that kind of treatment and stuff. But sounds like a lot of blame um, was going on and a lot of shame and not feeling, um, really feeling that your body had failed you. You know, your body's not performing. So, and I think a lot of women go through that. So that's one thing that I want to make sure that you know, that a lot of women go through go through that. Not that we want to compare or anything, but um, people that are listening to that will, will relate and probably will, you know, be like, yep, I hit the wall a few times myself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you're being very open about that and sharing that because I I can uh, envision other women shaking their head like, yep, yep, that's exactly, you know, that you were open, um, definitely shared, shared that. So, um, so I know you have, what other types of holistic besides the chiropractor, um, acupuncture started doing yoga, obviously, and then became an instructor. Anything else that you've um, tried didn't work? So I I did try like I don't know if you heard this, but of this, but I tried eating pineapple core. Oh, I haven't heard that. Okay, I, you have not. No, I have not. I tried. Yeah, I tried eating pineapple core. Uh-huh. Um. That was one of the things that I had heard somewhere that it helps during um, when you're, I, I don't know, during treatment, it's supposed to help, supposedly. It's, I think it's an old wives' tale, but I did try that, and it did not do anything, but um, it was worth a shot. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I basically, I mean, really, I just mostly spent time trying to like get my stress level at a under control because I was really just so sure that it was something to do with stress you know like mm-hmm. work oh. our finances you know stuff like that well and people say that you know um I actually talked to people many many times you know and and on the podcast and not that they People say to them, just relax, just relax, then you'll get pregnant. Well, that doesn't always work. Stress 
does mess with your body, which you probably know as well as I. It does mess with, can mess with your hormones. It can mess with your whole system. But it's not always the reason um, for infertility, the stress level. But, right. yeah. 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 I've definitely heard just relax, try not to think about it, all of that. I've heard it all, I feel like, at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how um, – how would you, um, how did you react to that? As, obviously, we talked about this a little bit already as time was going on. Your reaction was probably different to things like that that were said to you. Yes. Uh, it definitely, at first, I was very just, it got to me. People that I eventually did start telling people that the reason I even started sharing about my infertility to begin with was because I got so tired of people saying hurtful things that I felt like if they knew what I was going through or that we were struggling, then maybe they wouldn't say some of the things that they're saying to me because mm-hmm. um, it was all just hurting my feelings. So that's actually why I started sharing my journey on Facebook and or Instagram and Snapchat, whoever, wherever, really. Um, because I just wanted people to understand that I'm not just choosing not to have children, not that there's anything wrong with that, Mm -mm. Um, but I just, they were hurting my feelings. So at first I was really defensive and I would come home and cry, you know, or get in the car and cry and just try to hold it together while I was in public. Um, And then when I got to a private place, I would cry And now, like, as time would go on, I got much better about understanding that people are not trying to hurt my feelings. They don't even know they're hurting my feelings, probably. They have no idea. They think they're being helpful. Um, It got, I, it didn't, it it didn't, I just tried to change my view of it, of how, how to react. And there were a lot of things that it is still hard. It is still hard. And I am in a much better place now, but it's Mm -hmm. still hard when people give me the unsolicited advice that, oh, Mm -hmm. just relax. I'm like, well, I don't know why my RE didn't tell me that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, that. thank you so much. You fixed me. You know, like, (laughs) it's so frustrating. And I, I just. I'm like, that is the worst thing to say, I feel like. But people don't know that. And, you know, I, you know, another thing that I did was I read, I listened to podcasts when I was going through treatment, which helped a lot because it helped when I just to feel like I wasn't alone. Um, There were other people out there that were going through similar things or, in my opinion, even harder things and, um, I did that. I, I also read a book <clears throat> called Option B. I read a, that book. It's not it's not any really a whole lot to do with infertility. It's actually about um, a woman. She loses her husband unexpectedly. It's a true story. It's her story. And it's just basically about dealing with grief. Mm. And she mentions in that book, um, you know, she talks to other people about grief, other people who have experienced horrible grief. A man lost his child, and he talks about, like, you know, my child dies a second time when people don't talk about her, when when mm. no one will bring her up. So it's kind of like 
I really related to that because when then now when people do know your story, they almost like are walking on eggshells around you too. And they don't want to ask you how it's going. They don't want to ask you how you are. They don't want to bring it up because they're afraid it's going to hurt. But really that makes you feel very isolated and alone Um, or like people don't care, you know, like you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, that's your problem. Like I'm just going to go over here and have a family and sorry, sorry that that's going on with you, but it feels very lonely. So I did, I did really relate. I found that that book was really helpful um, with, in dealing with my grief and feeling, I felt understood um, in that book. So I do recommend that book. It's option yeah. B by, by Cheryl Sandberg. She works for Facebook, I believe. Um, so, um, but getting back to where I'm dealing with people still who say things to me, um, I mean, I take it as it comes. It hurts and I still get frustrated and I still kind of just have to wonder why people are saying things to me that the things that they're saying, you know, I I don't know, but I do know that it gets better with time and you have to try to go into it knowing that people aren't trying to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you look at who's saying it to you, like, you know, these people would never want to hurt you. Yeah. And you just have to keep that in the front of your mind. And you can be frustrated. I for sure get frustrated. Uh, even still, I get frustrated, but I know that people aren't trying to hurt me. Yeah. And I think, um, I think you, you're, it's amazing, you know, what you're, how you're able to handle that, you know, and it's taken time, but it is, people do not want to hurt, they want to fix. And so that's where the unsolicited advice comes from, because we all want to help other people and we want to, you know, we want to fix it for them. And so we, we as society are probably not as educated of what to say and what not to say. And so just awareness is important for all of us as, as women going through things and for to help society better understand. So I'm glad that you, um, you know, kind of speak up to them when they say things, you know. Yes. And I, and you know, this year with National Infertility Awareness Week, I tried to really, the theme was what I want you to know. And mm-hmm. so, because there's just so much that people who don't understand infertility or don't really, they just, they don't know. And so I tried to really use that opportunity to share what I wanted people to know. And not just about me, but really in general, like, about things that it's really like here's if you don't know what to say to someone here are some things that I really just don't recommend saying like don't you know don't say well why don't you just adopt mm. that that is just not a very that they people act like why don't you just adopt why don't you just do IVF they act like these decisions are not massive and they mm. are massive decisions um and I just it's just they mean well but they don't know. They don't realize. Like I'm like, well, okay. Um, I I can explain why I, I'm we haven't adopted. I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I'm open to that. But I'm not alone. I have a husband, and 
I want to make sure we're both on the same page and we're both ready for that. And that that's yeah. something that we both feel that God is leading us to do as a couple. Um, and I don't resent him if he's not ready for that. I don't, uh, because that is a, that's a big step. Just like mm-hmm. I'm glad that he doesn't resent me because I, I don't want to do IVF, you know? Mm-hmm. And those, because that's, that's another question I get a lot and people don't understand that. Well, you don't know that you're infertile because you haven't tried everything. Mm. It's like, okay, I suppose you have a point. Um, but I mean, I just like, sometimes I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Like, you've, yeah. You've tried what you're comfortable with trying and that should be, that should be enough. You know, you shouldn't have to explain yeah, you would think, <laughs> you would think, but but people just really they don't understand, and I think they don't because they don't understand what all goes into IVF. And Chris mm-hmm. and I, we um we don't do debt anymore. We've done the Dave Ramsey plan. We've got we are completely debt free aside from our mortgage. Um, we don't do debt, so we're I I am not comfortable at all going into debt to do IVF. I'm just not comfortable with that. And, and also like I've read some really good other posts from other, you know, women that I follow that have experienced infertility and they say, you know, IVF does not give you a baby. It doesn't guarantee you a baby. It gives you a chance, gives you a good chance, but you could be writing a $500 check every month for a baby that never came. Yeah. And I yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, no, um, that's that's just not. I can't. I wouldn't be in a good mental place with that at all. Um, and what I want people to know about why I'm not doing IVF is because I I cannot. I don't want to put myself in a position where I have to decide what to do if I have embryos left over. Mm, yep, yep. I'm glad that's, you brought that up. That is the that is the absolute kicker for me, and I am not against idea. I want to be very, perfectly clear. I think anybody. I think I'm thankful for the option. I'm so thankful for the science and the knowledge. But um, and I'm and I am rooting you on if you're doing if you're doing idea. But it's just not for me because of that one thing. I just can't bring myself to. I feel like I would be in such a difficult spot in that, you know, trying to decide what to do with those embryos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and, because there are people, you know, that they get to that place that they don't necessarily think that all the way through. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember, I, I researched this at one point, how many frozen embryos there are out there. It's a massive amount because oh. people just wanted, wanted, wanted that child, and I and I and I totally understand that, and I totally get that. I'm not blaming them. I'm not saying this was bad. It just is fact that there are a lot of frozen embryos that that because people couldn't decide, and then what do what do we do with these, you know, mm-hmm. embryos, and then they just. They just stay. They stay frozen, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. for me. For me, my my personal beliefs is that that's a life. Yes, it is. And so, 
I just, I know it's a very early stage of life, but that is life. And so I'm like, that's where you literally have to be okay with mm-hmm. adopting that out, which I think is a really wonderful thing. That's just, mm-hmm. that's really hard because to me, that is the, that is the same thing in my mind as, as putting a, a baby outside of the womb up for adoption. It's the same thing to me in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really hard to wrap your mind around. And I don't think people have ever, I don't think a lot of people consider that part of IVF. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. it's, the, it, it's really eye-opening. Well, and like I said, I think they, they're aware of it because they have to be aware of it. It's addressed with the doctor, with them, but they, they just want the end results for themselves of having a child so they don't think about, they just go past it really fast. There's not a thorough, and with you, you have thought, thought about all of that. I mean, and it might be part of, it's just who you are. You know, you you want to analyze and, and make sure of, of every part of it because you're considerate of yourself and, and other things, and, um, and, and that's a, probably in, in your, for you, that's a good thing. That is what you need to do for your well-being. Yeah. Not that they're wrong or you know anything like that. No, it's, but I get. It's, I get. It's individual. It's definitely individual. Yeah. I I just I think it's just one of those things that I think I I just want people more people to be aware of that yeah. that is a decision that people who go through IVF may have to make. Now, yes. they, not everybody, because maybe they use their embryos or, or right. you, know, they don't, you know, they don't end up with any leftover. But that's a decision that a lot of people have to make, and mm-hmm. that's a really hard decision. Throw, your, what, throw them away, you know, adopt them out, have some, literally have someone else carry your child and have it and raise your child. And that's mm-hmm. just it's a big thought to process. Yes, it is. And I and I just think that people tend to, who not necessarily people who go through IVF, I don't know, but people who don't know about that side of IVF, they just they they skim over some of the biggest parts of it. <laughs> right, right. And that's really why I decided that that's just not for me. And yeah. And one of the things I told you I wanted to talk about was. Um, you know, I want to talk about, because a lot of these podcasts, I don't know, but I'm, but when I was listening to this podcast, a lot of the women have made it to the other side. They've had a baby. Um, they got through it. It was, they had this long journey, but they made it, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. unfortunately that's not, I'm not at that part of my journey yet. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I have not given up hope. I'm only 32. We are young and healthy, um, you know, so I do hold out hope. But one of the things that I wanted to discuss was that when you don't make it to the other side um, mm-hmm. just yet, um, basically being allowed, allowing yourself to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because I will admit 
it is not easy for some of my loved ones who want me to have a baby so badly. It's not easy for them that I'm not going to continue with treatment. It's mm. not easy for them that I we haven't, you know, adopted a child. It's not easy for them that I'm we're okay with that because it, it, they're still grieving. Sure. And so when other people are still grieving for you, it's like hard. You feel guilty for just being okay. Like I'm not thrilled with my situation, but I'm content. You know, that's come with time. That's come with prayer. That's mm-hmm. through yoga, just being more intentional with my thoughts and my, my actions my reactions, um, and I've gotten to a much better place, and I, there are things that hurt. There are things that hurt. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie and say, like, every time someone else announces their pregnancy that it doesn't seem a little, you know, mm-hmm. or I don't just get kind of frustrated because I'm like, well, what makes her worthy you know yeah. I said yeah. a lot and say I don't have those thoughts and it's kind of mean you know you poor like ladies don't deserve it but you know I'm just I have some bitter times but for the most part I've gotten past that and it is hard for other people to get there too mm-hmm. you feel like you know I don't want to be sad forever yeah. yeah. So that's that's hard because people there are a lot of people out there who can't understand like being a woman and being childless and being content. It comes with time. Yes. And 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 work. You know, it's it's work to get to that point. And you're putting in that work. You've put in that work to be content. Yeah. It's and, taking yeah. a lot of time and work. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, it's just, and it's the same thing with, um, you know, it's interesting that you related it to grief. It's the same thing. You know, when we lose someone, you know, and, and you've done the work, you have realized that there's a grief with, infertility of the loss of possibly a family you will never have. And so you've started that work to be okay with that and to to be be content, like you said, with it. And it's the same though with people that have lost a loved one, you know, a, a child or a parent or a grandparent. It takes work to get through that grief that you're going through just as it's taken you it's taken work for you to get where you're at. So it's, it's interesting that you related it, you know, kind of to the grief because it's exactly, I'm glad that you brought that up. I love that you said that because it's exactly, it's the work that you have to go through. Yes. And like, I don't think, I don't think, people always realize that like mm-hmm. I don't they don't they I and and honestly I think a lot of it is to like with society 
it's to blame mm-hmm. a little bit with just not recognizing infertility as a disease, which um, I feel like it should be covered by insurance, but it's just, it's some, I mean, I can't, I've been on the phone with, I've tried every loophole in the book with insurance and, you know, basically they see it as, as optional, like, or as like your choice, like it's, well, it's not, it's your choice if you want to start a family, you Mm. know, kind of thing. And they don't treat infertility like a disease. People don't treat infertility necessarily like, like what you said, like grieving mm-hmm. or, cause I'm, you know, you've got to grieve your, the child that you that don't have the grandchildren that you won't have. Like I'm just, I don't, I'm not just missing out on the joys of being a parent. I'm missing out on the joys of being a grandparent, you yeah. know? And so it, it continues on. Like there's a lot of things that I, may never get to experience and it's that is a tough pill to swallow mm-hmm. and it hurts sometimes and I you know basically I'm thankful um I am an aunt and I'm thankful for that um but sometimes it's still that even being an aunt is a tough reminder of sure you know what you're not and so it is it is a lot of grief and mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it's, we've just, people feel like they can't talk about it. And so I, I don't know. I just feel like that is one of those things where it is easier if you talk about it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. get around people that understand you get, get in, involved in some kind of group or get on a podcast or read mm-hmm. the books, you know, because you're going to find people that do get it. Mm-hmm. Well, that was going to be my next question to you is where do you find support? And you just named several places. Anywhere else that you feel like you, where you have found the support um, through this journey? The books, podcasts, probably, you know, social media. Yeah, sharing, I will say sharing the story Definitely. I mean, I can't tell you how many people reach out and say, I went through something just like that. And I thank you for sharing. And so honestly, you feel like when you share, you almost feel like you're, you're being a support to someone as well. Mm -hmm. Not just getting the support, but you feel like you're being supportive to someone who's going through it, maybe not talking about it or who went through it and didn't talk about it. And you're just kind of making them feel like they're not alone, but it also makes you feel like you're not alone because people will reach out. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a lot of people reach out and really when you start sharing, you do get a lot of people who come to you and offer their support and just, I've had so many people I didn't even know who were paying attention to mm. my story you know, come to me and mention it and say, well, I'm so glad that you're sharing. Thank you for sharing. We're praying for you, you know, things like that. You will be surprised how much, how many people are supporting you when you, once you allow them in and it is hard to allow people in because you do open yourself up to a lot of unsolicited advice and hurtful things, you know, you do, you open, you open yourself up to it, but you do get, 
a lot of helpful things from it as well. Yeah. Um, and obviously my family is supportive. Now, I will tell you, family can be some of the hardest, though, because, mm. you know, you're they're, they just want to, they speak candidly, you know, for the most part. And sometimes it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, the conversations are, they just, they, they it hurts. Because you feel like you're letting people down. You feel like you're hurting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're like, well, great. Now I feel like I've failed at being a woman completely, you know, being a, being a wife, a, um, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a granddaughter. I feel like I haven't done any of it right because you feel like this was this was what you're here to do and, and then you don't do it. So, yeah, but you it's just their grief. They're grieving, too. So they are. It, but I will uh, recommend that. For any of the family members, I recommend, or family, friends, whoever's dealing with someone or, like, going through the infertility journey with someone they love, I highly recommend that they go to counseling or therapy for that pain. Because going to the person who's dealing with the infertility themselves, that's the last person that... Yeah that can help with the way you're feeling. Yeah. It's just, it just is. That's the best advice I can give to the loved ones is, is you have every right to feel how you're feeling. It's completely justified, but you have to go elsewhere to, to air that out and to work through that. You can't go to the person dealing with the infertility because you know, that, that only, I've experienced it. It only made me feel worse they made me feel awful yeah I love that you said that you know because they don't want to hurt you and I'm glad that you said that it is hurtful and and to seek the support they need somewhere else yeah Um, because they need support and I'm all about being supportive to other women going through it um but I I just there you do when you're going through it you have you do experience sometimes just the wrong people coming to you for mm. support. And, it, and it's just like, I can't, this is not, I can't be your support. Because right. Got enough. I, I got enough heaviness. Yeah, exactly. On me without all yours as well. Yeah. So I do encourage, and it is grief. It's grief on their part too. If they're longing for grandkids or longing for, just you, you know, the hurt for their you, like they're just so mm-hmm. upset for you. Like they, they just need to um, definitely go somewhere where they can work through that because they have a right to feel all of that too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that you said that. My website will be up as a grief coach, and that is specifically one of the areas that I will be coaching. Um, people on and helping them through so those family members um, and those women and men that are that are struggling with infertility and or the loss that they've experienced through miscarriage or um, you know stillbirth whenever during the pregnancy that will help them through the process through that work that needs to happen so that they understand um, and that they can 
you know, be more intentional about what they say and how they feel. But it is work. It really is work. So, yeah. That's yeah. great that you're going to offer that because that's that I think the world much, needs. It's much, much needed. And that's just been discovered by me and put on my heart to do from from the podcast, you know, starting the podcast and hearing women like yourself talk about that. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. There's a need. And so it's just kind of, it's happening. It's happening. My website's being worked on. And so it's happening. It'll be happening soon. So, um, yeah. So anything else you want to share? And if, if not, if you've thought of anything else, you can share that now. If not, um, you have said so many things already, but if you want to kind of sum up, kind of bullet point, some words of advice and encouragement. Yeah, um, I would say the encouragement is advice is just to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely pray your heart out because you know at first my prayers were, Lord, let this work. Please let this work. You know, um, but then eventually my prayers became became, Lord, let me be content. Mm. With even if it doesn't work, I want peace. That's what I want. I want peace. Yeah. And so pray for peace because peace kind of encompasses all. <laughs> peace encompasses if it does work. Peace encompasses if it doesn't work. Um, and just know that your your story can have a happy ending. Um, maybe it's just not the type of happy ending you've envisioned. And I don't know what our happy ending is yet um, because we are still hopeful. Um, we are still young. And I just, I know that doctors are very smart individuals, but I know that God can decide to give me a baby at any time. And I just remain hopeful. Um, I know God, God gave gave some people much older than I in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know that really it's just all, it really is all a plan. And once you can gain peace from knowing that it is a plan and it will work out the way it is meant to, it doesn't mean it won't hurt sometimes, but I just feel like, praying for peace and contentment and seeking that out. So pray, but then, but then also act, you know, act Mm -hmm. on that. See, I do encourage people to try yoga or um, journaling or just being intentional about really living out the peaceful life that you want to have. Um. Because we can pray for things, right? Pray to win the lottery, pray this, pray that, mm-hmm. pray motion. But sometimes we have, you know, we have to put in the work. Um, so just do things that will help you find that peace. So not just pray, but maybe read read more books. Um, I have, I could name some suggestions, but I <laughs> there are lots of different kinds of, things out there but I mean seek seek that out seek out that information because 
when you're praying on it and you're reading it or you're listening to the podcast, like you're filling your you're filling yourself with these this positivity and this hopefulness and you're filling yourself with all the ingredients that needs to make peace. Yeah. So um try not to I I and you know what another bit of advice is you may have to deactivate your Facebook and stay off of Instagram. Mm. Mm-hmm. I did that for a solid year. Um which doesn't sound like I guess too long, but um I did that for a year because I sometimes it's just you don't want to see the pregnancy announcements and you don't yeah. want to see the first birthday parties and the and anything whatever right. you just don't want to see it and you don't have to and you you can go I have been, I had I hid like everybody I basically hid everybody like I could not see I did not know what was going on in anybody's life <laughs> um <laughs> So, but it sounded like you needed that for your piece. Yes. That that space and that time. And you know, like you said, pray for it but also act on it. And you definitely I love that you acted on what you needed to feel that peace. Yeah. You gotta I love that. Gotta go out and start making moves to to get yourself in a better place because it is a tough journey and and take it from someone who has not ended up with a child at the end you know I I'm not coming on this podcast saying you know I have my happy ending I I I do have a happy ending um I don't know exactly what it is and I don't know if it involves a child or not but I mean I am much more peaceful than before and yeah so I, I feel like I do have a happy ending, and, and it's possible. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're you're at you're at peace, and I'm sure you know it's going to continue to be work because there'll be I'm sure you would have done it. There'll be times where you're not as at peace as others when there's an announcement or something happens and he says something that you know is hurtful. Um, but I'm sure you are quicker to come back to that piece, even if that does happen. So I love that you said all that. And I thank you so much, really, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you for sharing all that. It's very important for the listeners to hear um, that you do have a happy ending, but your story is not over yet. Yes. Yes. You're welcome. I hope it gives other people hope and I'm sure it will. Yeah. So they're not alone. That's that's it can Peace. feel very isolating, but you are yeah. not alone. And with if you share your journey, you will quickly find out how many people you know that mm-hmm. are going through very similar things. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much again. You are so welcome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Since this recording, originally I recorded it almost a year ago, Allison and Chris are still navigating their infertility journey. I know that a lot of the information 
that Allison shared, the insight that she shared, just the grief that they continue to go through, them and their family and friends. But there is still hope um, and encouragement that Allison would like to give to all of you. And I hope you felt that in this recording. So a couple things as always, I would ask that you, if you don't already, follow the podcast, Labor Pains Podcast, I would encourage you to do that. If you haven't as of yet, if you could take a minute and share um, a review, that would be most appreciated. And if you would share the episode. It has always already been listened to many, many times, but I do know that if we share it, um, we will be able to help so many more people with you sharing it, either through social media, and if you share it through social media, please tag me so I can thank you for that, and Allison can also help in any way. So share that with your family and friends. And I want to just always encourage you to share your story like Allison did, because it does help us feel heard and validated, and it always inspires others and gives them hope on their journey. I am looking forward to being with you again next week. Until then, have a peaceful and blessed week.